Alex fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And we're going to get you caught up on all the Ducks action this past week. Uh, a very rough week, uh, Eddie, as uh, the Ducks uh, ended up losing all three games this week. Uh, uh, they were without Ryan Getzloff. He ended up going out on the uh, IR before these games. Uh, you know, we talked about the last podcast, how we thought the Ducks would do, and we weren't sure uh, Getzloff's status, and he was out, so that hurt the Ducks. But the... Um, Ducks ended up playing Toronto, Nashville, and San Jose this week, Eddie. And despite you know losing these three games, they're all you know tight scoring games. They ended up uh, losing t- to Toronto uh, three to one, uh, a game that you know was close. The Ducks um, gave up the first goal and then Cache uh, scored and, and tied it up in the first period. Uh, then the Ducks gave up an early goal in the third period, and then ultimately, um, uh, you know, a late goal, and uh, the Ducks lost this one three to one. Eddie as Gibson faced off against his old teammate Frederick Anderson. Yeah, it was a tight game. Uh, you know, the Ducks had started to win a couple games in, in Toronto. Had come into this game, I, I believe, uh, on a mini losing streak, so they were looking to win one and. It was tight pretty much all game. Like you said, uh, you know, Connor Brown had the first goal for the Leafs, and, and Kaja scored one right after that. And, and then we didn't see much until the third period when, when Marlowe got the, the go-ahead goal. And then obviously the last one uh, wasn't technically an empty netter. It did count as a, a goal against for, for Gibson, but uh, it was essentially an empty netter. He was on his way to the bench and, and didn't make it back in time. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely a disappointing loss. I, I think the Ducks... Um, they did enough to win this game. They got a little bit unlucky in, in some departments, and, and they, you know, they didn't make them pay on the power play. The Ducks had four chances on the power play to the Leafs' two, and they just couldn't get anything going. And, and that's been the theme this season for the Ducks on the power play. They just haven't been able to get pretty much anything going at all. So uh, it's disappointing. I, I think it's a game they definitely could have won, and you know, due to a couple faults, they, they ended up not getting even a point. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was tough. You know, we we had high hopes this week, and then unfortunately, um, as you all learned, that Getzloff was out. So the Ducks, uh, you know, they ended up even in the shots in this game, uh, 29 up. They uh, did all right in the faceoff circle. You know, they won 57% of the draws. And like you said, they just couldn't get it done on the power play, you know, and uh, you could tell uh, without Getzloff in there, that was a huge absence. Um, the other player that came up in here and... <laughs> came up in this one and it came up in the game against nashville eddie but uh silverberg had a goal in this one that was taken away um you know he turned his uh, skate towards the net and uh, it was reviewed and they determined that you know that distinct kicking motion came into play so the goal was taken away otherwise you know the ducks might have come up with a point at least in this one uh you know they might have at least forced overtime eddie and gotten you know one point or possibly two so that was kind of frustrating um, you know, it's just it's one of those rules. You know, we've talked about a few of these this season uh, as far as like challenging uh, offsides. You know, that was a big one that we talked about early in the season um, and goalie interference, too. You and I talked about that before the show and how that one's, uh, you know, just ambiguous. And this is just another rule, Eddie, that we'll even talk about it more in the next game, unfortunately. But I, I just can't stand it. I, I just don't like the way. 
um, that there's just so much gray allowed for the refs to interpret this rule because it goes against the Ducks uh, in this game, and then it goes against them when it's the other team uh, turning their skate in the next game. So, I, you know, it's, it's just kind of frustrating to see that happen and then, you know, have it, you know, possibly determine whether the Ducks would have gotten a point in this game and the game against Nashville. Yeah, and, you know, as much as I believe that they, they did get the right call in this game, I've, I've never been a fan of this rule. I, I honestly don't understand why a player can't kick the puck into the net. And and I, you know, I get it. Then then if they if they allow this, they've got to look at other things. You know, obviously if, if a guy punches the puck in the net, whatever. We saw Andrew Shaw head the puck in the net and they got, <laughs> they got disallowed in a playoff game a couple years ago. But, you know, I, I just, for for a while now, I, I've thought, why does it really matter if he kicks the puck into the back? And that it, there's so many issues with this rule. Like you said, there's a lot of gray area for, for the refs to make a decision. And and you know there's a lot of speculation when it goes into it. You in in some games a call will look it'll be the exact same play and it will go one way and another game will go the other way. Uh, and, it, and it's been the same with with goalie interference for the last few seasons and it's been an an issue and a, a topic for a lot of people uh, to vent their frustration on. And you know in all honesty I wouldn't mind if we saw that this rule go away. Like I said I, I I think if you can kick the puck into the net. I don't see why it's such a big issue. The NHL is looking for any avenue to, to add goals going into the game, so why not be able to kick the puck in the back of the net? Yeah, and I, I'm of the same you know mindset that you're talking about. I mean, if you're going to get rid of it, get rid of it and, and not have this distinct kicking motion nonsense, which we know has been defined so many different ways over the years, and just allow players to do that. I mean, What's the big deal? And and if the league doesn't want that, then fine. Don't allow it then. But but do something. Do something with this rule because as we see in the next game, uh, you know Nashville's uh, first goal against the Ducks. It goes off Hartnell skating in. He turns the skate right towards the net and it goes in. And he's skating towards the net. I mean, you know maybe he didn't move his leg as much as Silverberg did, and that's why they allowed it. But it's pretty much the same play. So. They get on the board with that one early. Um, Yossi and Ir- uh, Irwin score as well, and they build this 3 nothing lead. You know, the Ducks fought back in this one. They got some other goals, and they pulled within one. But, uh, you know, they ultimately lost this one as uh, Nashville got an empty net goal to uh, win. But it's another game where with this call, the way it went, you know, the Ducks possibly could have gotten a point out of this one too. Um, they outshot Nashville. They they won the faceoffs. They actually did get a power play goal in this one too. And so it's a little frustrating. The Ducks lost both these home games by, you know, essentially one goal because the the empty netters. And uh, to see the kicking rule again apply in this one, Eddie. And um, <laughs> of course, this time it goes against the Ducks. I I remember I was sitting there and immediately saw the play, and I thought, oh, okay, it's not going to count. And and there was like hardly even a review too, which I know a lot of you out there had had messaged me about that and were upset too. And I'm I'm right there with you because they spent so much time on the Silverberg one. You know, the two nights prior, and then this one, there's like barely anything. And I did find out that they did review it, you know, <laughs> maybe for five seconds. I don't know. But I guess it was actually reviewed. So, you know, that was done, but it wasn't really as thorough as I think a lot of us would have liked, Eddie. But, anyways, the Ducks uh, unfortunately lost another game at home. And then they, you know, they saw themselves drop down to 500 after this one. Yeah. And, and really, the stats are a bit deceiving in this game. I mean, the, at one point, the Ducks were down 4 to 1. And it wasn't really for a late comeback that the stats are a little bit in the Ducks' favor. And, 
you know, the the kicking motion in this play with Hartnell's goal, it's a, it's a little bit disappointing. But, you know, unlike the Toronto game where it was a significant call late in the game, this was early on. And, and you know, when you, when you go down 4-1, it doesn't really have a significant impact on the outcome of the game. And, and I think the Ducks just got themselves in a hole early. And they couldn't get out of it. They, you know, they made a good effort to try, and, and they got it within one goal. But, you know, when you go down 4-1 going into to the third period, there's not much you can do. I mean... You know they they did pretty much as much as they could, uh, but it's tough and really it's disappointing. We we thought with three games at home, you know they'd be able to get a couple points, but you know coming out of a, a three game homestand and, and you only get one point, I mean that's pretty disappointing. Yeah, I mean it, it's rough, you know. That's that's what happened this week. The like you said, the Ducks, you know, yeah, that first goal with the kicking, you know, is unfortunate. And then they still got down three nothing, and then eventually four to one, and had a battle back. Which that's been another problem with the Ducks we've seen this season is they get down early in games, and then they're trying to climb their way back. And I think in the past, you know, when they've been the comeback kids, they've been able to do that. But right now, when you when you don't have Getzloff and you don't have Eves, you don't have Kessler, you don't have Fowler. You know, that's that's four pretty significant people you don't have. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of offense between those four players, too. you got to remember, um, especially as we saw from last season, how they were doing and, and obviously seasons prior. So when the Ducks get down early, um, you know, by two or more goals, it's, it's uh, you know, their chances of, of winning or scratching out a point significantly decrease. And, you know, that's what we saw in this game. And, uh, you know, of course, the – the, the bitter rival Nashville uh, from the playoffs last year as well. So the Ducks will still get to see him a couple more times this season, and uh, we'll see what happens. The Ducks did get Bieksa back in this game, and he also played in the game against uh, San Jose the um, the next night, which, you know, this game was disappointing. You know, Miller went in net because it was the back-to-back situation. The Ducks had to take a quick road trip up to San Jose, and, you know, the Ducks did get outshot 45-26 to in this game. But, you know, they held the one-goal lead. Uh, Corey Perry got that one early in the game. And you thought maybe the Ducks were going to win this one one nothing, or maybe they'd get an empty netter and win 2 nothing. But uh, Joe Ward got a late goal. Uh, overtime, nobody scored. And then they went to the shootout, which we all know that Miller has been the, the best in the league with 58 wins in the shootout. And, uh, unfortunately, the Ducks ended up losing in the shootout 2-1. to one. They scratched out a point, Eddie. But the way that they played in this game was, you know, significantly better than what the way that they had at least started the game against Nashville. And, you know, unfortunate that they only scratched out, you know, one point. Yeah, and to be honest, I think they're a bit lucky to, to scratch out a point in this game. And it really came down to the play of Ryan Miller in this game. Again, his play in overtime really kept the Ducks going. And throughout the whole game, you know, the Ducks played a solid game up until, you know, the Joel Ward goal. And... He, there wasn't much you could really do on that one. It's hard to blame Miller. It was a two-on-one. Votnin got caught behind the play. Lindholm did pretty much as much as he could. Jumped a little bit early on Joel Ward, and that left him open for uh, for, for the goal. And, and really, Ryan Miller was essentially perfect in this game. And it was disappointing to not see him get the win. I mean, the two games he's played in this season, he's been unbelievable. So it's great to, to have him come in and, and play that well. But when the Ducks can only muster up one goal and, and 26 shots uh, and a home game, you know, it, it's just it's disappointing. And, and again, I mean, that's been the theme of this week. It, it was a disappointing week. And we, we thought the Ducks could get, a, you know, a couple points at least from, from these games. And, you know, they really could have got at least a point from each game. Uh, but they just couldn't push over the finish line, at least against Nashville and Toronto. And they couldn't close it out in the shootout in this one. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, when we talked about it in the last show, at that time we thought, you know, Getzloff was still going to be uh, playing. So that definitely changed things around, as you all saw in these last three games. Um, you know, some significant, uh, significant stuff did happen uh, with the Ducks playing in that San Jose game. There were four different milestones achieved in this game. Uh, Andrew Cogliano played in his 800th straight game. And, and mind you, that's all of the games he's played. He has not missed one game in the NHL, period. Um, he's fourth all time on the Ironman list. Uh, Corey Perry played in his 900th game, all as a Anaheim Duck. Um, Grant played in his 100th NHL game, and then you had uh, Coach Randy Carlisle coaching his 800th game. Um, you know, uh, overall in his career, so some some big uh, you know stats there, Eddie. Um, some, you know stuff like that, but I, I know the Ducks still would have wanted two points out of this game. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of Cogliano, it's just, it's insane for a guy to go his entire career not suffering a small, even one small injury. I mean, we've like, we've seen Getzloff go out twice this season so far with, with different injuries, and we've seen a multitude of guys go down, and for as long as Cogliano's been here and for as long as he's been in the league, somehow he's escaped injury even the slightest injury, even you know, a puck to the face, something you can't control, or rolling an ankle in the corner, or, or some kind of illness that makes you miss at least one game. I, I mean, it's just amazing the fact that he's played 800 straight games. Um, it's something you don't see often, and you probably won't see for a long time. Yeah, and, and for those of you, I know some people ask, they're like, well, who's got the record and how, how far? Uh, you've got uh, Doug Yarvish, and he's got 964 games. So... Uh, it's not going to happen this season. It's not, not going to happen next season. But, you know, knock on wood, hopefully uh, sometime two seasons from now, he will be all time on the list. But uh, that's where he's at. So he's sitting there at 164 behind him to, you know, to tie Doug basically up. So that's where we're at on that. And um, like you said, you know, it's just amazing the way that he's done it. And, and also he's one of the few players that's done it for their entire career. Um, and actually so did uh, Doug Yarvis too. He did it for his entire career as well. So uh, crazy stats there for you. Um, you know, another big game for him. Um, he's been playing well this season, obviously, in the absence of so many of the other players that we've talked about. So uh, that happened on that night. That was the, you know, the good, the good news, I guess, all the milestones that the Ducks did achieve. But this game did raise some questions, Eddie. Uh, of course, it's it's coming about <laughs> the net and and who should play in the next game, and we've got some um, you know fan questions, um, you know from Angel. He talks about um, Miller's play against the Sharks and if he, if he should play against LA. Uh, Karen mentions that too, and a couple other people ask some of those questions. You know, well, what do you think? Uh, you know, the Ducks are going into this week. They're going to play uh, the Kings of Vancouver, Tampa Bay. Obviously, the schedule doesn't get any easier. Do you think Miller should play against the Kings or any of these other teams, I guess, in the next uh, week or so? Yeah, you know, it's a tough question because I, I think, you know, the two games he's played, he's been amazing. And, you know, if you're going by play, um, I think he deserves to play. But but that's not a knock on Gibson either. I mean, you know, you look at Gibson's numbers and, and you wouldn't be able to, to really understand how much of a, a pivotal piece he's been for the Ducks this season. I, I mean, he saved them in and, and so many games, even games they've lost. He's been their best player easily. So I, I think it's a little bit too early to say, you know, look at two games that Ryan Miller's played and say, oh, he should he should go in and, and now take starts away from John Gibson. I, I think Gibson should still start against the Kings. You know, if, if this continues, uh, you know, I, I don't think Gibson's honestly played that bad. 
I think he's been very good and and maybe up every game he's played in except for one. So I, I think he you know he would have to play himself out of the starting role for Miller to to you know to take over and start games. Um, you know other than back to backs. Um, you know I don't really see Miller playing himself into that role. Uh, even if he won his next two decisions and played just as well, I, like I said, I think Gibson would have to play his way out of it. He'd have to be bad in consecutive games or, or more than that for for Miller to take over the starting job. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Gibson's still the man. He's still gonna you know start most of these games. Um, I do you know like the way Miller's played. Obviously, it's only been two games. I I did like uh, in this game against San Jose the way he was um, as far as squaring off to the puck. And he seemed to just be really, really confident, which was good. But you know, Gibson's been confident too. So um, I, I don't, I don't see Miller being the one that to start all these games and whatnot. I think uh, Gibson is is still the man. And unless you know he has a, you know a series of you know poor games, you know we've seen some of the games where he hasn't done as well, and it's not necessarily been him as you talked about. I mean, the Ducks, you know, finally got uh, Botnan and Lindholm back. So now the defense is a little bit better, but of course Fowler went out. So, you know, there's some a lot of factors going on there. So I, I think the Ducks will still go with Gibson against the Kings. Um, they probably go with them against uh, Vancouver and maybe Tampa Bay too. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they might put Miller in for one of those two games, but I think he's still going to be the one that starts. Um, you know, obviously uh, against the big game against LA, which as you all know, LA has been uh, doing really well. So. This week's going to be a tough week coming up, Eddie. Um, we know the Ducks did beat Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay to hand them their first home loss. Um, Vancouver's been playing better than we expected. This is going to be a challenge. We don't know if Getzloff's going to be back this week or not. He uh, supposed to be some kind of update, which we didn't hear anything uh, yet uh, before the, uh, the game against the Kings here. Uh, if they're going to take him off the IR or if he's going to be in it. So that's going to be a huge factor, too. You know, I'd like to see the Ducks win two out of three this week, but I think a lot of it depends on if uh, Getzloff's able to play. Yeah, and I mean, he, he's arguably the Ducks' most important player, and we saw that this week when he was out of the lineup. They were, they were really missing his presence, and, you know, this is arguably just as hard of a schedule coming up, if not harder, when you're, you're looking at playing the Kings who are one of the best teams in the Western Conference, and you're looking at playing the Lightning, who are one of the best teams, not just in the Eastern Conference, but in the NHL this season. And again, you're also looking at Vancouver, who, who in, you know, normally you look at last season, it would have been an easy game, but the way Travis Green has them playing this season, you know, they're, they're limiting a lot of quality chances against. Uh, they're really essentially parking the bus um, in a way, not an ugly way, not like uh, New Jersey back in the <laughs> early 2000s, but the, the new style of parking the bus. Uh, so it, it's going to be a tough game to, to go and play them as well. So uh, it, it, hopefully we get some news about Getzlaff tomorrow and that he's either, if not ready to play tomorrow, ready to play for Vancouver and Tampa Bay. And then hopefully the injuries just stop from there on and we can start getting some guys back into the lineup. But yeah, I mean, the only advantage the Ducks have going for them this week are these games are all at home. And you got to start taking advantage of these home games. Obviously, they lost both last week. Um, and, you know, you, you got to be good at home. If you're going to make the playoffs, if you're going to do well, you've got to be good at home, and, and it has to start somewhere. So hopefully they can you know play a strong game against the Kings. It's always a good one against the Kings. And, you know, if they can look back what they did well against Tampa the last time they played them, um, I think they'll serve them well on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, nothing like your uh, crosstown rival 
coming to town and and they're playing well so you know there's always added motivation in these games anyways when we play la so hopefully um the ducks can you know get this game and and maybe build some momentum off of it and carry it into those uh next two games against uh vancouver and tampa bay uh, some of the things that you know we talked about the Ducks have to work on. Uh, one of the biggest things is you know special teams, Eddie. And, and you know we've got a couple of fan questions. Some people are talking about the amount of penalties that the Ducks take. Uh, Darren asked about that. Uh, Melissa asked about that. And we've got some stats for you. The you know we talked about the teams in the NHL and who has taken the most penalties. You would probably think it was the Ducks. And I wouldn't tell you you were wrong, but but it's pretty close, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> you've got uh, Nashville leading the league here with uh, 69 total penalties. Pittsburgh was 64, and then the Ducks was 60. So they're not the most, Eddie, but they're pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Nashville and Pittsburgh are, are surprisingly leading the way. Maybe not as surprising for Nashville because that's you know that's the way they play. They're, they're a team that plays on the edge, but for Pittsburgh being that high, it, it's certainly surprising. And then, again, you know, we all would have thought the Ducks would have been number one, but they are pretty close. And you, you look at you know who's benefiting, or, or sorry, who's not maybe not benefiting, but who's hurting the most from from the new rules for slashing. Well, it, it's the Ducks, and and you know over a third of their penalties are slashing penalties, and and they're ranked number one in slashing penalties with 21 this season. So you know that's a, a big part of the reason that they're near the top in penalty minutes this season, or sorry, in in minor penalties so far this season so that's something that they can work on i think it's a tough adjustment for anybody you know you slashing penalties have gone up tremendously this season because of the change in the rule and i think it's something that it's going to take some teams to get used to so you know you look at a team like columbus they've only taken two slashing penalties somehow this season so there is a way to get around it and i think it's going to take the ducks some time but yeah it's something they do have to figure out it's not like the penalty kill has been an issue this season they're they're actually I believe about eighty-five percent on the penalty kill, which is which is good for for around the top half of the league. So, you know, it, it it's not a bad thing. But when it comes to the power play, that's where the Ducks really have to have to start getting things going. Yeah, and if you look at the stats on the power play, the Ducks have had forty-two power play opportunities. They've only scored five times, which is tied for the bottom in the league. Uh, Columbus has only scored five times as well. They've had one more power play. Uh, than the Ducks. So the Ducks are technically 30th in efficiency at 11.9, where Columbus is at 11.6. But in terms of scoring goals, uh, Columbus and the Ducks are both tied uh, for five, which is the least on the power play. So that's been an issue. Um, as we talked about, they're not getting as many screens. They're not getting in as many uh, quality you know, secondary chances. Even five on five, they're not getting as many. So the penalty kill, like you said, uh, you know, 85% has been, you know, fifth in the league. So the Ducks are, are, are holding their own on that end, but they've got to get the power play going. Um, hopefully, get Getzloff back. Uh, you know, Eves, we still haven't heard anything. He's back home, but we don't know, you know, if, if the situation's been under control or not, or how long it's going to take. Uh, you know, you know, I hate to say, but we don't even know if he'd be back this season. I mean, that that's a that is an actual reality. He could be back in a couple of weeks, or or who knows. So. Those are some things that are killing the Ducks on the power play. Obviously, Fowler out as well. Um, another issue, too, Eddie, for the Ducks has been the number of shots that they've allowed against. You've kind of touched on it a little bit here throughout the podcast. But if you look at the league, uh, the Florida Panthers give up 37.4 shots per game. Nashville, or excuse me, 
uh, New Jersey gives up 35, and then the Ducks give up 34.7. Eddie, uh, you know that's just it's just unacceptable. You cannot give up almost 35 shots a game, and and have the Ducks you know lean on Gibson and Miller uh, to try and win. I mean they've been pushed pretty good already in the games that they've played, and that's another thing that they're going to have to work on. They need to get in there and block those shots and not let the other teams set up that forecheck for extended periods of time. Yeah, and for a team who's been, you know, the, the main talking point about the Ducks over the last few seasons has been how deep their defense is, how good their young defensemen are. Uh, and, and, you know, it, this season, it, maybe it's not that they've been bad necessarily, but, yeah, I mean, 37 shots per game is unacceptable. I mean... That's way, way too many shots to give up, and we've seen that in the games that John Gibson has played. I mean, some of the and you know some of the chances they give up too. It's not just they give up thirty-seven shots and all the shots come from the perimeter. There are some very good scoring chances that they give up that they could prevent in, in almost every game, at least every game this season so far. Um, and and that's a big reason why they're they're losing games and and that they're only five hundred. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to improve, and and obviously that comes with getting guys like Cam Fowler back and, and having some, some chemistry and, 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 you know, having guys play on a pairing more than, you know, not switching every game. But it's something that they can work on and, and hopefully they can get back to the way they used to play and, and limit shots against. But, you know, you know that coupled with the power play are, are things that are going to cripple them if, if they're going to try and, and move up the standings. These are things that have to get worked on. And, you know, the special teams were an issue last year. And, you know, it, it's tough with all these injuries. And we come back to, we talked about last week how the Ducks lead the league in man's games lost. And, and that's a big reason why the power play is so bad and can obviously contribute to why the Ducks allow so many shots against. But at some point, you've got to stop blaming the injuries and, and use the depth that you have and, and get something going. I, I mean, we've heard a lot of people since the beginning of the season blame the fact that the Ducks don't get enough penalties for the reason their power play is so awful. But... You know, you look at a team like Dallas, who has less power play opportunities than Anaheim, and their power play percentage is 32.5. And yes, I know they have Ben and Sagan, Radulov, Klingberg, but you know, there's no exception. You can look at other teams sitting around with the Ducks. Minnesota has less power play opportunities. They've got 7 and 40. New Jersey is 25.6% and only 43 opportunities. Boston, Winnipeg, all above 20% with, with one or two more opportunities than the Ducks have. So at some point you got to stop blaming the injuries and, and get something going. Yeah, I agree. And, and part of it is getting traffic in front of the net. You know, the Ducks uh, haven't been doing that as much. You know, we've seen Perry do a little bit more this season, but overall, uh, I think that's just been the issue. We've seen them sometimes pass the puck too many times, as we know we've talked about that in seasons past, and they're just not getting you know the right uh, positioning early on. Sometimes they can't get set up, and and that's causing you know problems because obviously time chews away, and you know if you're if you're not getting set up in the first 30 seconds of the power play, that's a problem. You should get set up right away and get it going. And, and we've seen it this time yeah, where they don't get set up in you know almost a minute. So that's something It's just – it's got to change if they're going to prove that. Uh, one thing that did happen, Eddie, is I guess some good news, is we do know that Ryan Kessler, a.k.a. Big Bird, is skating again. So – for those of you that missed it, which I'm pretty sure you didn't, um, <laughs> uh, with the ho- uh, Halloween, um, you know, past us this last week, uh, Ryan Kessler decided to show up to practice as Big Bird and has been skating uh, a couple times a week. So 
it sounds like from some of the things that I'm hearing that he's going to come back before Christmas. Yeah, again, it's not official, but it, it sounds like he is on track to beat that timeline, Eddie, which if that'll happen, then obviously that'll be a big addition um, to the Ducks specialty teams. Yeah, and, and that will help them limit shots against as well. I, I mean, having that shutdown line was key for the Ducks all season last year. And, and at one point, I mean, they were the best offensive line for the Ducks, and, and that being Kessler, Cogban, and Silverberg, and I'm sure we'll see them get put back together, and hopefully that, that helps. You know, Silverberg's been better this week, but hopefully that can help him get things going offensively as well. But, yeah, that I mean, that's going to be a key piece. He's always been a, a key piece of this team since the Ducks acquired him, and, and getting him back in the lineup and, and having him and Getzlaff as your one and two centers, I, I mean, it's it, it's going to make a huge difference. It, it goes without saying. I mean, it's, it's hard for any team to lose their top two centers and, and try and win games without them, and, and the Ducks have... You know, done admirably well to, to stay above 500 and, and you know, missing Getzlaff for about half the games and, and missing Kessler since the beginning of the season. So, you know, getting him back and, and as soon as possible is going to be very important for the Ducks. Yeah, you know, and we talked about it too, as far as the Ducks' record, you know, 6-6-2, six, six, and two, there's still 500 despite all the stuff that's gone on. So there's still hope. Um, like I said, I think Getzlaff hopefully will be back soon. Looks like Kessler's going to be back faster. Uh, Fowler still out a few weeks, and then we just don't know about Eves. That's the big question mark. So uh, with all that, the Ducks didn't really make any moves uh, lately. They uh, did send Barra back down to San Diego, uh, Eddie, which we kind of expected once Miller came back. And, you know, we kept talking about, hey, are the Ducks going to make a trade? You know, are they going to do anything? Um, obviously, with Eves on the LTIR, they had more cap space. You know, they've had about four or five million, depending on the day of the week, obviously, because it's, it's always calculated. And the Ducks didn't make a trade, but some other team made a trade with a player that you all know <laughs> that we've talked about. We may, we thought maybe there were rumors that the Ducks were in on this. And, of course, we're talking about Matt Deshane. And we all get surprised, Eddie, this past weekend a trade comes out with him. It involves, obviously, Colorado, but it involves two other teams, Ottawa and Nashville. And the trade happened during a game. <laughs> so a lot happened. There's, there's a little bit of confusion. I know <laughs> when we heard about it, we were like, what is going on here? Who traded what to where? Um, and I'll let you break it down. Obviously, this essentially was kind of uh, like a two-part trade. Basically, some stuff had to be moved in order to make you know, the uh, the big move with uh, Matt DeShane. But break it down as far as who got what and how it all worked out, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, it was it was you know, more so interesting because the night before we had a report that came out saying there was a trade that had failed between the same three teams um, that involved Turris and DeShane. Um, and it failed because Nashville wasn't willing to give up Matthias Ekholm to Colorado in the deal. And then from there, I thought it was dead and, and we probably wouldn't see anything for a while. And of course, I mean, the trade is done the next day. And yeah, it's an interesting one. We don't see three-team trades that often, especially surrounding two very good players like Matt Duchesne and Kyle Turris. But uh, you see Colorado, I mean, Sackett gets paid off for, for being patient and, and waiting on trading Duchesne. I mean, the, the, the haul he's able to bring in uh, on this deal is insane. So it, it kind of breaks down like this. So Ottawa ends up getting Matt Duchesne, and, and that's it. Nashville ends up getting Kyle Turris. And that's it. Uh, Ottawa gives up to Colorado. Shane Bowers, who was their first-round pick last year, is a late first-round pick, I believe around 28th or 27th overall. Uh, their goaltender, Andrew Hammond, who they've been trying to get rid of 
uh, for a while now, their first round pick from this season and their third round pick from this season. I believe also the first round pick is top 10 protected, uh, so they don't have to worry about that. And then Nashville gives up their second round pick this year, uh, prospect Vadislav Kamenev from the, their AHL affiliate and Sammy Gerard, who has been you know one of the top defensive prospects in the league and is is arguably their best defensive prospect. But with the depth they have, they're able to give this up, and it's just an interesting trade all around. I, I mean, it's hard to tell who gave up what for where when you're looking at it, but uh, it all works out in the end. And, and I mean. You know, if anybody was the winner in this trade, I think it has to be Colorado. What they are able to get in this deal, you know, it, it remains to be seen what they get for that first, second, and third round pick in this year's upcoming draft. But you know, even just the prospects that they're able to get for this is, is a very good haul. And I think if you have to pick winners, I think after that you you got to look at Nashville um, being able to acquire a center of Kyle Terrace's caliber, and, and now it's you, you look at the three centers they have. They've got Ryan Johansson as their number one. They've got Kyle Terrace as their number two. And then they've got Nick Bonino as their number three. So, I mean, they've got arguably some of the best center depth in the NHL now. So, you know, that's important for them. And then you look at the Senators. I, I don't want to call them losers in this deal. I know Pierre Dorian has, has wanted Matt Duchesne for a long time. I mean, he's almost pretty much publicly stated that um you know the only issue i have here is i, I don't think matt duchene is a massive upgrade on kyle Turris. i think he is a better player and, and i think you know once he can get back to playing the way he did three or four seasons ago um if he gets into the right system and ottawa is a good fit fit for him then ottawa will be more than happy but you know for what they gave up uh, essentially two first round picks because shane bowers was a first round pick last year a third round pick you know, it, it's tough to judge it right now. But, you know, if Matt Duchesne can get to playing the way he did, you know, back in 2012, 2013, 2013, 2014, you know, he's a 70-, 80-point potential player. And if he can do that, you know, in Ottawa, where he's going to be a number one center, most likely playing with guys like Mike Hoffman and, and Mark Stone, you know, this is going to be a great trade for the Senators. So just an interesting day all around, you know, to finally see this saga end and, and to, to have it be with three different teams, it, it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, this was anticipated for a long time. You know, we had talked about this last season. We had talked about it in the summertime. We were like, Matt Duchesne, where's he going to go? Trade deadline. Oh, summertime. Matt Duchesne, where's he going to go? And uh, finally, it's over. I mean, obviously, the Ducks didn't get him, which was unfortunate. Um, I, I was a little surprised, too, Eddie. I mean, the way Sackick put it out there, I mean, he wanted a lot for Duchesne. And, you know, like you said, he held out. He, he got what you know, he wanted, uh, you know, if you look at these three teams, like you talked about, uh, you know, I obviously think Colorado made out, I mean, yet to be seen with these draft picks and whatnot, but I mean, they just get a boatload for Duchesne. Um, and like you said, Nashville's now got, you know, three good centers, obviously our favorite, uh, Johansson's there well, our, our, our other real favorite, you know, former Duck Bonino and, uh, of course, Kyle Turris. So, you know, Nashville got a little bit uh, scarier, which is, you know, not good for us. I mean, they're not in the same division, but they are in the conference. So, um, you know, that that's going to be a little bit of a battle uh, there. And then, um, you know, Ottawa, as you said, uh, you know, not really a loser, but if you had to pick of the three, you know, they got an upgrade, but, you know, how much of it, you know, is there? And I think a lot of it's going to depend on Matt Deshane and what kind of motivation he's going to have 
You know, and what's going to be interesting, Eddie, is this week Colorado plays Ottawa on Friday. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how that game shapes up. You know, I think that's one that a lot of people are going to want to watch as he plays his former team, you know, just a few days after this trade. So that was the big trade, I guess, one that we kind of anticipated. What did you think about the trade actually being made during the game and then pulling him off the ice? Did you think it was, you know, anything did you think that was a negative or do you think that matt duchene kind of since he'd been wanting a trade he kind of asked for it or you know i've seen all kinds of different opinions i'm kind of curious what you thought about it being done during the actual game that colorado was playing what it seems like is you know i can only speculate but um i don't think they had any intention of making a deal going into the start of the game otherwise matt duchene wouldn't even been in the lineup um i think the deal must have come together early on in the first period um, and then they finalized the deal and, and, and pulled him out of the game. I, I mean, if you're the Senators, you definitely don't want him playing the rest of that game and, and potentially getting injured. And if you're the Colorado Avalanche, you definitely don't want him getting injured with the haul that you're about to make. And, and even you know Nashville as well don't want him getting injured because then they don't get Kyle Turris. So I, you know, I can only speculate, like I said, but I think that's, in my opinion, that's what happened is that the deal really came together in the first period. They probably didn't know or I didn't have any idea that it was going to be completed, you know, at that time. That's why he wasn't um, left out of the game in general. But it is an interesting situation. You don't see it happen too often where players pull it out of the game um, and, and then instantly traded. So it was interesting to see. And, and like you mentioned, you know, with Ottawa going to, to Stockholm and, and playing back-to-back Friday, Saturday against Colorado, you know, it's funny how things work out that, you know, Matt Duchesne's first game as a senator is going to be against you know his first team and and you know his I mean his favorite team he's been a Colorado Avalanche fan since he was a kid so it, it's going to be funny to see how that works out and it's definitely a must watch you know you look at Eric Johnson's comments uh, about Duchesne leaving and, and pretty much saying you know he didn't want to be here so you know there's nothing really to talk about it'll be interesting to see how that game you know works out. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down to DeShane's motivation being on a new team and and just going from there. I mean, it's going to be, uh, you know, a fun situation to watch uh, um, as they, uh, you know, play out the rest of the season, basically. Uh, what did you think, you know, some Duck fans uh, out there a little bit upset, thought maybe uh, the Ducks should have tried to get him? You know, there were some people mentioning that, uh, you know, how Botnan was, uh, you know, the center of trade rumors before and, you know, some people have thrown that that uh, Botnan maybe should have gone with, you know, maybe a couple of draft picks or whatnot for Deshane. Do you think that the Ducks missed out on this one? Do you think that they could have made some kind of offer to get him? Uh, obviously, you know, they had Eves on the LTR and they would have, you know, had to work some things out later on if they were able to make some kind of deal. But do you think the Ducks should have really pushed harder for this one? Or do you think it was better that the Ducks just are, you know, doing what they're doing? You know, the only way I think the Ducks could have made this deal work um, is if they would have had to been into a, a similar position uh, as the National Predators and what the National Predators gave up. I don't think they ever would have given up um, you know, a, a first-round pick. They didn't have one last year, but given up a player they drafted in the first round plus a first-round pick this year plus you know a third-round pick as well. The Ducks don't like to deal that many draft picks in general. Um, and then to add, you know, the Ducks can't even add a guy uh, like Duchesne and, and salary cap. So it would have been a guy like Votnin to move. And, you know, the fact that Votnin is still here, you know, there's obviously a reason he hasn't been traded. 
And I think the only deal, the only way this deal really works for the Ducks is one, they would have had to move cap space, which is very difficult. And two, they would have still had to have a guy like Shea Theater that they could move. You know, Nashville had Sammy Girard in their system, who played a couple games this season. He's been pretty good. But there was no way he was really going to ever move in front of Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis, and P.K. Subban. Um, and it's not worth it for them to have a guy like that, uh, an asset like that, playing on, on their bottom pairing. So to move him and get to Kyle Turris was, was huge for them. And, and I just don't think the Ducks really had the assets or the cap space to make this trade work. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I just don't think it would have worked out. And if they would have somehow, you know, Murray would have worked some kind of magic and done something, um, you know, it would have caused other problems because the Ducks would have had to have done something either when Eves comes back or at the trade deadline. They, you know, something would have had to, eventually it would have came to a head and they would have had to try to figure out something. And with all the other big contracts they have with Perry Getzler, Getzler uh, you know, Botten and Lindholm, et cetera, um, you know, even Josh Manson getting his his bigger deal and all these things going on. I, I just don't see the math working out there without the Ducks having to give up some players and then trying to figure out each situation. I, I think it would have been too much of a mess. So, um, you know, if you feel like the Ducks missed out on this one, Eddie and I are here to tell you we don't really think the Ducks did miss out at all. Um, obviously, with all the injuries, you know, it, it, it's not easy to say that. But, I mean, that's just it. We, we didn't anticipate these injuries. Nobody did. So, the Ducks are still 500. Um, they're still going to fight it out. Like we said, you know, uh, Getzloff is going to be back soon. Uh, hopefully, Kessler is going to be back sooner than the holidays. That's kind of the word on the street. Obviously, nothing official yet, but that's what we're hearing. So, you know, I, I think better times are ahead for the Ducks. They did have a little bit uh, of a rough week, as Eddie and I talked about, but they also only lost those games all really by one goal. You know, as we talked about, a couple of empty netter goals, and they they really could have even had a couple extra points if it wasn't for our favorite rule, the uh, distinct kicking motion rule, which we both love so much, as we talked about on the show. So, um, you know, just look for the Ducks this week. Uh, hopefully, Getzloff comes back. Like we said, they're going to play the Kings, Vancouver, and Tampa Bay. And if they can do some of the things you and I talked about, Eddie, as far as the power play and uh, hopefully limiting the other team's shots, that's a big key, then I, you know, I think the Ducks can at least hopefully pull out a few points in, in these games. And, you know, they got a big homestand, Eddie. I mean, you look at the schedule. Um, as we said, they've got the Kings, Vancouver, and Tampa Bay. After that, they've got Boston and then Florida, which, you know, that's going to be a big game. Obviously, uh, Tamu Solani and Paul Career are going to be honored that uh, night before the game, so make sure you get to the game on the 19th early. Um, then the Ducks, it's kind of weird, Eddie. They have that short, you know, turnaround. They they go up to San Jose and they come back, and then they've got Vegas and Winnipeg. So, you know, it's it's crazy. The Ducks are going to have uh, seven of the next eight games um, at home. So, I mean, these are some big games coming up. Uh, like we said, they've got added motivation against the Kings. They're going to have some added motivation. Uh, you know, Florida embarrassed them earlier this year, and they're going to have that ceremony for Salon and Korea. So there's going to be, you know, some games here where, you know, they need to pull some points together. Yeah, and really with with all these games being at home, uh, I mean, you you can't do what you did last week. You can't come in and get, you know, one out of uh, one out of the possible six points that they could have got. Uh, you've got to come into this and think, you know, with seven of these next eight at home, that's where most of your points are going to come from at the end of the season is home wins. So it's important for the Ducks not only to, to do well this week, but to, to do well on that homestand. And you know, if you've got seven at home, you know, you're expected to win at least four or five of those games. 
uh, and that will significantly impact the Ducks' standings in the Western Conference and the Pacific Division. But, you know, it remains to be seen. We don't know if Getzlaff's going to be back. We don't know if uh, anybody else is going to be back within that time. Probably not. I don't really see Fowler or Kessler being back in that time. And obviously, Eves, uh, we have no idea when he's going to come back, most likely long-term. So the Ducks are going to have to pull things together. Uh, I mean, you know, we've got guys like Grant and Wagner and Cashew continue to put up points, so they're going to have to keep doing that. And once we get Getzlaff back... Hopefully he can start getting things going and moving the Ducks in the right direction. And with that, uh, we'll wrap up the show. We'll be back in about a week. Uh, look for us to have another one after the uh, the Tampa Bay game. And, uh, you know, we'll keep you covered. Obviously, as news comes out, we'll post it either in an article or on social media. And uh, with that, let's go Ducks. Ducks.